Welcome to episode 381 of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And before we start, just a few announcements. You may know our home base is We Don't Die. If you'd like a free copy of my audiobook, just go to the store page, scroll down, and you can use coupon code free. Chapter 10 is how to survive grief. And I'm very passionate that one of the reasons so many of us are looking for evidence of the afterlife is we are experiencing grief from physical loss of our loved ones. We also have some great courses and we do a free Sunday gathering complete with a medium demonstration every Sunday. So you might want to check that out. This is a video episode. So if you're listening on a podcast app and you'd rather be watching, just head over to YouTube and type in We Don't Die Radio 381. Now, our guest today is the fabulous Jane Asher. She's just incredible. She is author of the book, The Next Room, and also host of the podcast called The Next Room, where she embraces life and, of course, the afterlife. She speaks with authors and friends and transition specialists and more about death and dying and grieving and beliefs and afterlife and cultural traditions. Jane has also contributed a chapter to the new book called Gathering at the Doorway, an anthology of signs and visits and messages from the afterlife. And there's so much more about Jane, but I'd rather her tell you in her own words. So Jane, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Your energy is so... um, you're just vivacious and so real and authentic. And I was really looking forward to this. So Me thank you. My too. honor. And I love sharing people that are also sharing really great content with the world. So I'd love to hear about that. So if you could take the floor, so to speak, and talk okay. a little bit about your history, how you got into this and um, okay. maybe some beliefs on the afterlife. And I know some things have happened. Yes, we have, we share some of the same audience, you know, that we are really hoping that there's good reasons to believe. So I'll have you share. Okay. Um, you know, background, just a rock and roll radio chick. I was on the air radio stations since the time I was 19, I guess. And, um, just had a wonderful fun career, you know, doing rock and roll and on stage and, spinning tunes and on the radio and really loved it. And uh, there came a time when the industry sort of morphed and changed. And so um, my husband built me a little studio and said, you know, you should do a podcast. So I started doing a podcast and um, it was about other people's passions and it sort of fizzled out. It was, you would think it wouldn't be hard to get people to come on the air and talk about their passion, but It really was. It was like pulling teeth. So I just, I blessed it and I let it go. And I continued to just kind of do my own thing, part-time radio here in San Diego. And then a couple of things occurred. Um, My mother, who's by far my best friend and most influential person in my life, she transcended uh, on September 31st slash October 1st, um, uh, 2010. So she left and I was absolutely devastated. So was my dad, all of us, I guess I should say. Um, And so she left to go to the afterlife. And I'd always been fascinated and curious about it. 
And that sort of started me on my journey to where I was like, okay, I need to know more. I need to speak to people. I need to find out what is next, if there is a next. And my point of reference was being raised in a very Lutheran background, Christian uh, with heaven and the Bible as my reference. And so um, being a curious woman, I would just talk to anyone and everybody about their beliefs or non-beliefs, whatever the case may be. So it sort of started me on this this journey to know more. I'm looking at her picture because she's laughing. Um, so that happened. And then through a course of wonderful connections, um, she started contacting us um, literally through a very good friend of mine who's a, a renowned psychic medium out of Santa Barbara. Her name's Pam Osley. And my dad was distraught. They were married for 62 years. And so he came out to spend a month with us after mom left to escape the cold Michigan winter. And he said, you know, Janie, I want to talk to your friend. And I'm like, okay, dad, you're going to have to be more specific. I've got a lot of friends. And, and he said, you know, the one, uh, the one that does seances. And I started laughing. I'm like, oh, my friend, Pam. Over the course of the years of me being in California and away from my very buttoned-down Christian upbringing, I had developed a lot of unique friendships, and Pam was one of them. And my mom and dad were really cool. They were super open, and they would listen to me go on and on about new concepts and ideas and advanced consciousness without thinking I had flipped my mind. Um, so I arranged a phone call for my 60, he, well, he was 83 at the time. They'd been married 62 years. Um, I said, I don't know what you think Pam can do for you, but I'll see if she'll do a favor. Um, and she, of course, readily agreed. I hooked him up on my landline. I went inside to prep dinner um, and I kept peeking around the, the side of the house to see if and he was still on the phone and close to an hour. And I'm going, oh, what'd I do? You know, I stuck my grieving dad on a phone call with my friend who makes great money doing this for a living. And then finally he hung up and I went around the backyard, big guy, you know, 6'3", 240 pounds, tears streaming down his sun-kissed cheeks. I'm like, oh, what'd I do? I said, dad, I'm so sorry. I'm thinking I intensified his grief. He's like, no, no, she was here. And I'm like, who is here? And he goes, your mother, your mother was here. He goes, come, he goes, come on. She's sending a tape. So he bolted across our living room, came out to the small studio. I sat him down here in my main chair, pulled up a stool. Sure enough, Pam had sent a recording of their call. And it was indeed 100% my no-nonsense, straightforward, strong, effervescent, just unbelievable mother coming through and telling him specifically things and what she had been seeing so he would know indeed it was her, like even the, the crumbs on the kitchen counter. And she was like, yeah, Don, she doesn't like the fact that you're, you know, not keeping the kitchen as tidy as she would, you know, things like that. And, and specific things that, um, that only he would know and phrases that she would say, um, but that was the beginning. So I know a long way there, but that was kind of the beginning of, of where I thought, hmm, I can communicate with my mother clearly and ask her questions 
about the next room. What is next? And that's kind of what started me on this deep dive journey. Um, so there you have it in a nutshell. So the, wow. the podcast came first. And as I was doing the podcast, um, you know, I had stopped doing the one about other people's vision. And then my friend who owned the network said, you know, you should do a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, what about? And he goes, well, do it about your passion. And I'm like, well, I love rock and roll. People really want to hear me talk about music for you know half hour. No, I like to garden. Do people want to hear me about digging in the dirt? No, I like to read. I don't think a podcast about me sitting there reading for a half hour is stimulating. And then my sister passed. You know, very sadly, my oldest sister died complications with cancer. And that's when it hit me that what I'm passionate about is death. And to me, death is kind of that mysterious thing, but it's also beautiful because none of us escape it. And what I love about it and what I'm being shown is we don't die, right? right. As you know, we don't die. So um, I got a hold of my friend and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing a podcast about death. And he started laughing. He's like, let's do it. I love it. I love it's it. great. And I said, yeah, we'll cover all concepts. And I'll even, I, I love a good atheist. I'll talk to an atheist for hours because I'm fascinated that they think, boom, done, it's over. And, and I'm like, oh, are you in for a surprise? You know, um, but I also honor their opinions and their feelings. Of course. And so, you know, it's like none of us really know or do we? So I know what I know and you know what you know. And so. Absolutely. Do you have some favorite guests and favorite stories? Oh boy. The podcast. So many. Um, I would think the shaman, uh, Sarah Bamford Seidelman, she's just so pure and um, she's just this beautiful, bright, shiny soul on the planet. And every time I speak with her, I'm very uplifted. Um, Jan Warner is another one. Jan is absolutely no BS. She started a grief Facebook page so that she could push beyond or educate herself about why she was grieving so deeply after her husband Artie had passed. So she just, you know, went to a therapist, therapist like, yeah, you know, maybe you should start a Facebook page. And she's like, what am I going to do that for? And just like, oh, you'd be surprised. So she does. 200 people, 300 people, 1,000. She's like, oh, that's pretty respectable. 5,000. 10,000, 20,000, gets up to 100,000. And a publisher reaches out to her and says, you need to write a book about grief. And she's like, what? I've never written a book before. Anyway, case in point, Jan, who did not set out to be the reigning queen of grief on the internet, now has 2.4 million followers on her beautiful Grief Speaks Out page and has wrote um, and has her book called Grief Day by Day. Jan is fantastic um, because she was just this, I would say, skeptic and didn't quite know what was going on. And then through her pain of losing Artie, um, boy, did she get an education. And now she's just, um, she's wonderful. She's a great, really great guest. So Does she believe in the afterlife? She does. She does now. She wasn't quite sure. Um but now that Artie has definitely sent her various messages and um, 
and she has done her own deep dive, but she also like on grief speaks out. She just lets everyone believe what they believe and post what they post. And she's really good about, she's on the page every day and personally manages it, which is shocking that somebody can, you know, be on that kind of social media structure uh, day in and day out and just honor people's grief. So yes, she does. She does. Uh, yeah. Grief, grief is a killer. I mean, those of us who have experienced it, and I think at this age, probably everyone watching or listening has experienced it. So it, it needs to be addressed because we don't learn it in school. We don't. Yeah. And, right. um, and, and it impacts all of us. It really does. Can we talk about signs? Have yes. you received signs? Have you heard good stories about signs for loved ones? Yes. Yes, I have. Uh, I've received them and I've heard fantastic stories. For me, um, shortly after mom passed, I was finding dimes. I had no earthly idea why. Um, and I didn't associate them with her at all. I was just like, okay, I'm finding dimes. Because I was the kid that would pick up a penny no matter how dirty it was. Um, my mom would always tease me about that. And so um, I was finding dimes. And I was at the time working nights at a radio station here locally. And the boss thought it'd be a great idea to have a psychic medium come on at Halloween and connect our listeners with their loved ones who had crossed and went on to the other realm. And so I'm like, great. Sounds like fun radio. So her name's Marissa Ryan. She's in Los Angeles. She would come on every night. My producer would connect us and then she would connect with our listeners and give them messages. And it was really fun and good radio and people were loving and she was really tuned in. So as much as I wanted to speak to her about my mom at length, because mother had just crossed over, uh, I knew she was there to do a job. So I thought, I'm not going to bother this woman. At the end of our week leading up to Halloween, we were off air. We had had a, a really another great night of radio and she, we were off mic. And she said, Jane, I don't know what's going on or why, but your mom's leaving you dimes. I have no idea about the significance. I don't know why she's doing it. I don't know if she's trying to say call home. Just know when you find one that they're from her. So I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. So I go home, tell my husband, he's like, oh, we should start collecting them. So I get a little velvet bag. And every time I find one or Tom finds one, or now my daughter and son, Betty and Thomas are finding them. Every single friend that I would tell the story about the dimes to, they would start finding them. They'd take a picture. They'd be walking out of Target and find one and hold it up and go, hi, Betty. So um, it became like this really cool thing. And my dad was all excited. So everybody in the family is involved in these dimes. And I didn't know why she was sending them until one day I went to mail my dad. He loves his birthday. So I made a big happy package full of all of his treats. I go to Office Depot to mail the package and I had a full dream recall. It like overwhelmed me. I had to hang on to the side of the, the, um, the desk where I was mailing the package because I was like woozy. And in this recall, my mother was sitting on the edge of my bed. And I said to her, mom, what's the deal with the dimes? And she said, I like to see you smile. And there it was. It was so simple and just so, so much like her, just right to the point, no big holy grail message, just I like to see you smile. 
I'm as I turn, I mail the package, thank the guy. As I turn to leave the store, right down at the right toe of my shoe was one shiny dime. I bent down, I pick it up, I start laughing, I'm talking to my mom, I'm walking out of the store. Everybody must have thought I was crazy. I didn't care because I now knew that the reason why she was leaving me dimes was to see me smile. So great. I go back to work the next night. I'm telling JJ, my producer, all about the dimes and my husband saying to collect them and me finding one after I sent my data package. And he said, that's really cool. Are you writing it down? It would be a great blog or it'd be great to be part of this imaginary book I had told him I was writing. And I said, no, that's a great idea. As I spun in a radio station, you have a huge board with all the equipment and underneath it's like there's a lot of dust bunnies and all kinds of wires as I spun to get a yellow pad to write down the idea of writing down about the dimes, something caught my eye. And I looked and underneath the board in the radio station, one shiny dime. I reached down, I picked it up, I turn, I show it to JJ and he goes, hi, mom. And that was the story of the dime. So to this date, I mean, Sandra, I have like pockets oh. of them and and not just from the United States. I I have found them in Paris when we were traveling. I found a 10 pence. I found a euro. I mean, she's kind of like, hey, I'm with you kind of thing. So I don't find them all the time now. She's slowed down and I'll tease her about it and I won't find one for a while. And then all of a sudden I'll find one. So yeah, there's That's great. So sweet. Uh, yeah. I have a friend when he was getting involved with this I think it was pennies, but he said, you know, things like he'd sit in an airplane seat. Fine. When he got up, there'd be five pennies in the seat. Yeah. He'd find them in the shower. And he's like, no one has been in this bathroom. How right. can these be in the shower? You know, same kind of thing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. A lot of people have so many stories. My, um, my niece, she finds feathers, you know, from, uh, her son tragically left shoot before he was 25 and it was crushing and still is. And, um, but she gets feathers from Eric and other people get signs through electronics. That's another fun one that, that people can mess with. And um, it's pretty great. Nature is a really wonderful thing. And, and everybody will say, Oh, you know, it's just a hummingbird. And it's like, yeah, but no, it's not there. The, are sending us signs. There's a myriad of ways for those that have gone beyond to reach to us. And if we just vibrate up a little higher and then they get a little denser and we ask for the signs, but then once we get the sign, we have to believe that it is a sign. You know, you can, you can sit there and be logical and, and, oh, that doesn't matter. or That's not this or that. That's not how I choose to live. I love living in the design, grand magic of it all. Um, to me, it's a lot more fun. And um, because I believe and because I'm so open, I get a lot of cool signs. I mean, that was one. I could, do, you want, do you have one time for another story? Oh, yeah. We've got all the time in the world. Okay. Um, after mom had crossed over, I hadn't seen my dad for about... Oh, let's see. She passed in October. So it was like probably eight months later. He had been out here for a month to stay with us um, around February. And then I think it was the fall. I flew back because I needed to see him. He needed to see me. 
I picked up my oldest sister, Lynn, who was still with us, and we went north to see dad. We got up there and we invited their best friends over for a cocktail, the Schlangs. And Ruthie had been a really solid foundation of support through my mother's entire ordeal in the hospital and her transition and eventual death. So um, Bob and dad and Lynn were out in the living room, you know, having a scotch on the rocks, doing guy talk. Lynn loved to hang out with men. And she was just really one of those, you know, no BS kind of women. So she's talking to the men. I'm alone with Ruthie in the kitchen. We were holding hands across the kitchen aisle, and I was telling her how much my mother loved her. And I'm looking at her right in the eye, and I'm like, Ruthie, my mom loved you so much. You were you were like a little sister to her, and I'm so grateful for everything you've done for me. And right at the moment I'm telling her this, her eyes, which are hazel, a blue vibrational light started pulsating through her eyes directly at me. It was like going, and I wasn't freaked out. I was so fascinated by this phenomenon. I'm holding her hands and I'm, I'm like, whoa, this is great. Now, my mom's eyes are about the color of a Michigan blue sky on a cloudless day, right? So I'm, I'm like, and then finally I said, Ruthie, you don't have blue eyes. She dropped my hands. She's like, Jane, you're freaking me out. I, she knew it was my mom because Ruthie is like a big believer in miracles and angels. She's like, oh my gosh, I, I keep seeing your mom. I've seen her here at the house. And so Ruthie had actually had seen my mother. And what I got from that message is, and it's only happened that one time, is my mother was telling me, I can see you even though I have to use my best friend's eyes to deliver the message. Mm -hmm. And it was so beautiful. And I, I get chills still thinking about it to this day. And I wish I could get that to happen again. I would love nothing more, but nothing that metaphysical, that kind of physical proof has happened since. Um, I would love to have more of it happen, but I don't know. I, I I don't think you can manufacture that. That is just uh, miracle. Exactly. Do yes. you think we have to ask for signs? You had mentioned that. Do you think that's if somebody is hoping to get a sign? Is it nice to say? I think. Hoping. Yeah, I think that. Yes, um, I think we can. And what Mom has told me is that uh, when we. Like, for instance, um, if I need to fix anything in this house, you know, I get out my toolbox or if I even having trouble opening a lid, if it's tough, if I ask my dad or my uncle Doug, who was a big, strong guy, dad's little brother, I'll say, okay, come on guys. I need some help. Instantly, whatever it is happens. If I sit there and just try to be me and struggle, I struggle you know, or fixing something, but every single time. So my mother said that when we ask, it's like great appreciation because it is keeping them very much part of our lives because they are, they just right. happen to not be in the physical form and realm. And many of us can't see them, um, but they are here. They're just energy. They just change forms and they're very much with us. Although, they're everywhere. You know, they're not just following us around. They're not, you know, they're not doing that kind of silly stuff. But when we do shout out a name or we blurt it out or we ask someone 
for guidance or help, um, they very much, if they can, if it is in their area of expertise, they will help us. If it is not, someone else will step forward and help us, um, which is really cool too. You know, it's like, it may not be who you think it is. It might be someone else going, yeah, I got that. I can help you with that. So um, like, for instance, before I started this, I asked for help to be clear, concise, authentic, and real in my communication. And I always find when I do that and I ask, I'm looking up at all of them, they're all here. Um, When I ask for that, I do have a tendency to be a better communicator than if I just sat down and just decided, you know, Jane's going to do this. So That's such good words and something we don't talk about much. And you know what? I'm not really an asker. I'm a doer. I'll do anything for anybody. But I would consider if I'm in the afterlife, I would love to be asked because I'd be right there to help. But I do think, and this makes sense, that we need to ask. So for those of you listening and viewing, let's start asking. Sure. Let's talk about the relationship with your mom and your book. Because okay. there's more to unfold. It just—it sounds like you have an ongoing relationship with mom. Yes, I do. And thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, total labor of love. I don't know why, but I've always been a writer. I have volumes of gratitude journals. I have one that's just love letters um, to people. Some I know, some I don't know. I write to complete strangers. But I, I've always been a writer. Um, And I always kept saying, I'm going to write a book, right? After she crossed, I was just like this feeling that I needed to write this book. And I also wanted her guidance, I guess, in writing it kept loop. It was like a loop. So then Lynn crosses over in 2016, six years after mom left us. And it was, you know, devastating. You know, I lost the two strongest female powerhouses in my life. And I'm returning. My dad was still healthy and alive when we buried Lynn, which was, I can't imagine having to bury a child, but he did. When I flew back to California after Lynn's funeral, as I was on a plane, I just needed to speak to Lynn. And I didn't know how to do that. And I'm crying and I'm on the plane and nobody wants to talk to the crying lady on the plane. And so I which is really strange for me in my backpack. I did not have a journal, which is like shocking because this, is a, I, I have journals in my purse. I have them in my backpack. I've, I have them everywhere. The only piece of paper I had was it was back in the good old days where they would print up your boarding pass. So I had my Delta pass and I took it out and I started writing on it. And I'm, I wrote a dear Lynn, I wrote her a letter. And in the letter, as I'm crying and flying across from Detroit to San Diego, I said, Lynn, how do I ask mother to co-author this book with me when I'm here and she's there? And it was like this download. And Lynn just went, ask your friend Pam to translate messages. And I was like, holy, that's a great idea. So I'm like writing it down, writing it down. I said, okay, I will. As soon as the plane lands, I'll call Pam and I'll ask her. Plane lands. The next day I call Pam. I'm like, Pam, 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 
would you would you help me? Like if I asked you questions, could you hear mom and could we record it and then translate the messages so that I can ask her about what she's doing on the other side? And Pam was like, sure, I'd love to. So I'm like, oh my gosh. So that's how it all started in 2016. I actually started having sessions with this dear friend of mine and I would, not all the time, but maybe every couple months or so, and I would have these things I wanted to know. Um, talk to me about evil. Talk to me about you know people that do atrocious things. I wanted to know about God. I wanted to know about you know what is she doing on a day to day. I wanted to know about compassion and grace and does prayer help and how do I connect and all that kind of stuff. So it was really fun. I just I kept. We would record and I'd come out here in the studio and I would listen to the sessions and then have to transcribe everything. And so it was really coming together. And so part one of the book is sort of my up, upbringing and my connection with mom and dad and, and how I grew up in a small farm town in Michigan. And then part two is me meeting Pam um, because I met her when I was a young woman in radio in Santa Barbara. And then part three is me. Pam and mom. So I think, okay, I think I might have the guts of a cool book here. So I scheduled one last session with Pam, not to ask mom any more questions, because I kind of felt we had gotten to the meat of it, of what I wanted to know. And, and um, I said, Pam, I don't want to, you know, take up your time. I just want to make sure I want to tune in with mom and make sure that we're on target, that she's happy with the direction of the book. And Pam goes, mm-hmm. 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 Okay, Betty. All right. Okay. Your mother says that she likes the part one, part two, part three. However, there's going to be a prologue, an epilogue, and a part four. And I'm like, part four? What, what's part four? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll tell her. She said that you need to understand that the two of you have been communicating since the day she crossed, and you do not need me anymore to do this. You can, if you get quiet, if you believe, you will be able to receive this direct line of communication with your mom. And I'm like, what? I'm not psychic. I'm not a medium. Yes, I have intuition, no more than the next person. So that kind of rocked my world. And I just let it sit there for quite some time. I didn't know what to do with it. And so I eventually started to meditate on it. And then I would take my puppy for a mindful walk of the neighborhood. And as that was happening, I was kind of getting these tingles and things were happening. And I finally came out in the studio one day and I opened up my laptop, pulled up Word and said, okay, mom, I'm listening. What, what is it that you have to say? And I'm telling you, Sandra, it was like this. I don't know what it was. I can't explain it to this day. People want to know how I did it, but it just was like, and I was typing so fast and I am not a typist. I flunk typing class in high school. Um, I could barely keep up with what was going on. And I would ask her a question and then she would just answer it. And then I would be out here all day long and my husband would come out and open the door and I'd be sobbing. And I'd put my hand up like, don't bother me. And he would just lay a piece of dark chocolate on the desk and he would leave. And then I would come back in and 
And as I was rereading things and, and I would say, that's not me. That's not how I process information. That's not, those aren't my words. I'm human, you know, and I don't have that elevated perspective. And so that's what happened. And that's what became part four. And she also told me um, through Pam in part three that, um, that there would be more as long as I got out of my own way, got quiet, and didn't get too busy, too busy. You know how that is. We all get too busy. Oh, I have to vacuum my house. Well, no, you don't. You can go write another book. So she would like to co-author more. She said two to three more, depending on how busy I am. So that's where we are right now. And it's it's been a complete joy. And I do have things percolating and ideas are coming in. And now people are calling me and saying, I want you to ask your mom something. So it's fun because I'm getting other feedback from people, things that maybe we glossed over like reincarnation or um, the atrocities that have happened on the planet with, in regard to people that are uh, oof, not grand souls that get lost. Um, I've had a lot of people want to know how can someone like that return back to source and, re- you know, come back to love. And my mother's like, we all go back to love. It's not for us to judge what's going to happen to another human being. All we have to do is take care of what we got going on here. You know, be the best version of yourself that you can be and leave the horribleness of whatever you deem this was terrible. Let them be. That's that's their lane. They will have to deal with it. However, they're going to have to deal with it when they transfer energies, Uh, not for us to shame and blame and, you know, it's, it's, it's not our position to do that. Look after our stuff. I love that, you know, uh, part four and and everything this past month, we did an online course. It's now a video course on inspired writing. And it's waking up to the fact that we have one heck of a powerful soul that we can deliver messages from our soul that are so profound. It gives you goosebumps. We can bring through information from people that no longer walk this planet and to allow that trust and set aside that skeptical mind, because you know, you want to say, is it me? Is it them? Well, how about it's us? There you go. And it may come through and probably will in your own voice in your mind, let it flow and trust. You know, it's, I I said this before we are on this planet hurling around the universe and down to our tiniest little atom, we are invisible. And so it's life is pretty much a grand illusion. So if we can go with the flow, like you do be in that place, I think it's really good words from mom. What is she doing? Up there, there, not really up there. Yeah. What's keeping her busy? Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, she's pretty excited. She has, um, she's part of a group that are doing all kinds of cool things. Um, Her energy has really expanded, uh, really, really expanded. Um, She is having a ball. She really loves all of what is available to her and the way she described it 
is that she knows that you know I use the next room as is just a uh, a descriptor, and she likes it. But she said, if you want, you can create it as room. So, for instance, if you have that and that's necessary for you to have a room, you can be in a grand lecture hall one minute listening to Buddha or Christ or whomever. Um, and then you can go in another room where dad is, or she can go over where Lynn is, or you just dissolve those those walls and it just is all. Um, but she said she's part of a, a mission of people really helping other people. Um, and she really, really loves that, that that's a, a chosen uh, path for her. She also is really tied to the family. Um, in the 62 years they were on the planet, they had six children, 13 grandchildren. Um, shoot, I think how many grands now? Great greats. I don't know. I think there's eight greats now. Um, so she's very into the family too and really loves to help uh, sort of guide us all. And she's around the family a lot, but that's not that's not her sole purpose. She has moved beyond. So, but that's a very good question. Like to ask her more specifically what kind of missions she's on. So I'm going to make a little note of that, Sandra. Thank you. You're welcome. Speaking of mission, you have a passion for helping others. Can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about your mission work? Yeah, I love it so much. It's so interesting. You should bring that up because on Facebook today, you know how those memory things pop up. It was eight years ago that I was in Sabah. I was um, on the island of Borneo uh, in Malaysia, and I was part of a, a team. We went over to build a home, and there was a group of about 13 of us, and it was just unbelievably extraordinary. What the women didn't know that were part of this group is that culturally, it's not cool for women to do manual labor. So we got over there. I've got these work gloves I just bought from Home Depot and I'm thinking I'm going to get in there and build a school. And it was like, not cool. So the Bishop that we had traveled with had to pull us ladies aside and say, look, you know, it's not cool. And we're in their country. And so we need to do um, what they want us to do. And so we ended up going into the village and we had a wonderful time. We hung out with all the other women and the kids and we ended up having this kind of school classroom. And of course I had my little iPhone. So I took pictures of all the kids, like I was taking their school portraits and we ended up having a great time, but um, that's one of many I've, I've um, let's see, I went to um, Armenia. Oh, I loved, loved, loved Armenia. That country is so spiritually strong and, and they're this teeny little land like locked country and they've got all these tough customers like Turkey and around them. And they're just so passionate and so strong about their freedom. Um, we worked in a village with women and children up in Amritaze um, in Armenia. Um, Dominican Republic. Uh, I was down there on a humanitarian mission. Uh, El Salvador, love El Salvador. Um, down there, doing a lot of work with homeless, and you know, you just roll up your sleeves and get busy. And um, let's see, I've built five homes over in Tijuana, which is a great little program we have with Lutheran Border Concerns. You basically raise the money. I, at the time, I think it was seventeen hundred dollars. You raise the money. You go across the border. We had somebody take us to the the plot. There's a twelve by twelve slab of cement, 
And by the end of the day, we have constructed a home with a pitched roof, with a door that locks and a little window. And we got really savvy about it. We started, of course, the ladies in the group were like, we need curtains on the window and we need rugs on the floor. So it got better and better each time we built a home. And a lot of these people, you know, they've never had a door that's locked in their life. And what a joy. They have to be on a list to get this home and have to qualify for it. But that's a great program. Now, as a matter of fact, we couldn't do it the last couple of years because of COVID and everything, but I think we're planning about going down again this fall. And uh, my husband and I are all in. There's there's nothing better than uh, just to see this little family and then to actually physically build them a shelter um, and and then of course we take rice and beans and we take soccer balls for the kids in the neighborhood. It's great, great, great program. I'm welling up. I I love mission work. So I'm going to put it out there right now. I'm due. So anybody out there listening that wants to call me up, I'll go. I'll go anywhere on the planet to help anyone um, as long as we don't mess with them culturally. That we we go into their country with respect and, and, and that's a big one. And that's what I learned in Armenia. Instead of me getting all Brussels, like, well, I want to build a house. Well, sorry, they don't want women to do that. And so I'm in their country. So I have to take heed and be cool. So yeah, I love mission work. It's just, so you come across, you called me vivacious. I'm thinking, holy cow, it's you takes one to know one. I don't know if you have fear within you, but you seem like you're courageous, unstoppable. You're going to do whatever it takes. Can you talk a little bit about your beliefs about living life, living your best life? Because it just seems like you're doing it when you're focusing on helping others. You know, Sandra, that's a really good question. I guess, you know, for me, when I wake up, when I first wake up in the morning, um, my first thought before I even use the bathroom is thank you. And I have this little song that I sing and it's just, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I go through this mantra of, wow, okay, I'm still here in this physical sense. I'm still on this side. So I obviously still have work to do. So I'm super grateful that I'm here and alive and human so I can use Jane to the betterment of all humankind. And that is kind of where I want to be. It's like it's like where I want to live. I want to I want to be here until I complete my lesson and then guess what? When I do transfer, I'll go okay. Here I am. And how cool is that going to be? Because then I'm reunited with all these unbelievable souls that have gone before me, ones that I know, and then ones that I'll recognize again and go, oh my gosh, I forgot about you. Bring it in, you know, the thousands of people I'm going to wrap my arms around. So, so yeah, it's, um, but you know, I have, I have fears just like the next guy, I mean, or gal. Um, you know, I have children. So of course it's like, I pray for good decisions in their safety and um, I just want them to be smart, you know, and, and we're on the planet at a very tumultuous time with uh, the violence that's happening and, and the politics have gotten wackadoodle and people are angry and, 
And all I know is that my mother just keeps saying, you have to continue to love the unlovable. You have to send light and love to everyone, everywhere, all the time. And that's that's a tough pill. And I find myself, you know, thankfully I have somebody I can, you know, get in there and say the things that I'm frustrated about and I'm angry about. But, you know, my mom keeps saying you cannot change the direction um, to a positive flow with a negative thought. And it's not about being all um, rose-colored glasses or looking for the unicorn. It literally is an awareness that, yes, we're living in a difficult time, but you need to be the change you wish to see. And so I'm going to keep shining my light. And if somebody is annoyed by that or somebody's like, oh, she's, you know, she's just all airy-fairy and, and you know, she's not facing reality – that's their choice as well. But the person that needs to see my light will see it. And the person that needs any kind of assistance or help or guidance, I'm here. You know, I will literally stop anything to help somebody move forward. Oh, amen to that. That's absolutely beautiful. And I was one of those souls that would have thought you were airy fairy and all that before sure. my journey. So we're all on a journey. You yes. know, you never know. I mean, I never thought I'd be doing this. Can we talk just a minute about the book that we're both in, the anthology? And how did you get introduced to Camille? Gathering the away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotta give it a nice plug. Um yes. cool story again, connection. So the amazing Camille Dan, who is a curator of Gathering at the Doorway. This is an anthology of signs, visits, and messages from the afterlife. Um, Camille, as the story goes, months ago, she was driving. She was listening to my podcast just randomly. I don't know how she found it. It's not a huge podcast. She's listening to it. And I said something on the show, and I can't remember the exact words, but then a few seconds later, she saw a road sign. And she read on the road sign exactly what I had said. She thought that the roadside said what I said. And as she got closer, she realized it wasn't that. But then she was like, wait a minute, that's interesting that I I think I need to reach out to this woman. So she did. And she sent me this cool message. I, you know, I got a message through Instagram saying, my name's Camille Dan. I was listening to your podcast. And she tells me the story. And so I emailed, of course, I messaged her back and said, that's so great. Thank you for sharing. And then a little while later, she said, you know, I'm putting together, I'm starting to gather stories. And I don't know if you'd be interested, but might you want to share something from the next room or write something? And all the proceeds are going to benefit nonprofits. Boom. Bing. My favorite word you know, helping anyone. So I said, oh my gosh, absolutely, whatever you want. And I'll introduce you to other people because I have fascinating people like Jan Warner and all these other people in my world. Casey Gaunt was another one that I turned her on to. And so that's how it happened. And I was on at the very beginning, I think I was one of the first people I filled out all her paperwork and got it to her. And, and then I started connecting her with other people. And then like I told her the other day, it was like a little teeny fist size snowball. And it just, it was meant to be. I mean, the fact that she went from idea to fruition 
And that short period of time is all of our loved ones cheering us on, saying, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And this book is unbelievable. Like I'm savoring it. I open it up and I'm like, oh, whose story do I want to read today? And then I'll go, oh, they should come on my show. (laughs) Oh, that's great. And it's now a bestseller. So the stories have to be shared and it'll give anyone just so much hope and comfort and faith. Let me ask how, oh, you finish. And then I'm okay. I was going to ask you, okay. So you wrote a forward. How did you get connected to Camille? Well, she found out about me through my podcast when her son had passed and she started binge listening to my stories and that got her on the road to there's something more. And so I feel very grateful, very, very grateful to that for that. Very grateful. Yeah. So yeah, it's all special. All it's all magical, special synchronicities. They're all real. How do people get in touch with you? What's your website? Okay. Remind us of the book and the podcast name. Just how can we link up to you? Super easy. The book is The Next Room. Um, It's available everywhere. You can get it through me, through my website if you want, the next book, um, thenextroombook.com or janeasherrainey.com is my website. Um, You can also email me through my website. I do not have an assistant. I'm a one man, one woman band. I'll email. Yeah, I'll email you back. Um, Great synchronicities have happened because of the book and the podcast. And and I've been invited to go speak to a college course on death, which I'm super excited about. And that was just through a woman who loved the book. And then she reached out and one thing led to another. And I'm speaking at an IANS convention in Santa Barbara, a near-death association Um and so, yeah, it's just the next room book. It's available everywhere. If you want an autograph copy, I'll, I'll, I can do that. And I actually, you'll love this, Sandra. I, since my mother co-authored the book, I ordered a stamp with her name on it. And Aww. so she autographs it too. And she gave me that idea because I'm thinking, well, gee, she helped me write it. And then lo and behold, I had her signature on so many cards that she had sent me over the years. So I had it developed into a stamp. So I sign it, you know, with my name and then boop, Betty Asher. So that's kind of cool that she can sign her book now too. That's so nice. And for the yeah. podcast, we go to our favorite podcast. Podca- app, and Apple everywhere. Music. Yeah. Everywhere you get your podcast. Super easy. Love. Yep. The next the room. room, the next room with Jane Asher. Love you to, to, um, and I'm open to interviewing I'll talk to anybody. If you have a story or not just afterlife, afterlife tends to be one of my favorite topics, but I like to talk about getting your affairs in order and wills and trusts and right to die issues are huge and hospice care. And of course, grief, always a biggie, Um, anything, Uh, green burial traditions. I love the whole green burial movement is super exciting. So to me, death is dinner conversation. So bring it on. You know, somebody that wants to come on the show, just email me through the website and say, hey, Jane, got a friend who's a funeral director. I'll talk to him. Let's go. Yeah. If we can think of death as the great birth, you know, something yeah. big's coming, but we've got stuff to do here first. Yeah. It'd be a whole other way. You can embrace it in dinner conversation. Yes. Not you be know, afraid of it. That's interesting that you say the birth and death thing, because I had read an article that said, 
why is it, you know, baby, we do baby showers and we do gender reveal parties and everybody's giving gifts and, oh, it's so exciting. And then death, it's like, oh, no, you know, it's like, why aren't we having death parties? Why aren't we celebrating while we're here? You know, have those and people are starting to get smart about that and, and having their their living celebration of life while they're still here, especially if they're elderly. I've seen some really cool stories about people having super fun living wakes so that they get to hear their loved ones say how much they're loving them um, while they're still here instead of, you know, having to do it from another level. So, yeah, we should treat it like birth. It's as beautiful and it's just a continuation of uh of this life as we know it and the next one. And absolutely. And there's some cultures that celebrate. I know. Have you seen the movie Coco by Disney yet? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I love it. Love it. So there are cultures that celebrate and um, I I loved that. So closing words for you before we wrap this up or for mom. You know, probably one of the coolest things that she said, and it's it's super easy, but um, when I was doubting, I was doubting myself, doubting this book, doubting why, what my mission or purpose on the planet was, she kept saying, stop being so human and go back to being love. And I had to sit with that, like, stop being so human. She's like, you're trying to make it fit like Cinderella with a shoe or or a hose that you squeeze and you're stopping the flow just flow allow and let it go and expand without fear expand without fear she kept saying and it was so cute i said that on my podcast and an old dear friend of my sister's had somebody at her church embroider me a shirt in my mother's favorite color Uh, that says expand without fear. And I love that. I love that phrase. So in essence, get out of your way and stop fearing. There's nothing to fear. Um, Mm -hmm. We really have to stop with the fear mongering. You know, we really have to get involved in living. How do you want to live? So that's, that's what I think she would like me to leave everyone with. That is beautiful. Well, Jane, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. I really loved it. I I did too. Goes by fast. Oh my goodness. Uh, And to our listeners or our viewers, thank you for taking the time to be with Jane and I today. As always, our home base is wedontdie.com. Hard to believe this is episode 381. I also have a second podcast on iHeartRadio with Coast to Coast AM called Shades of the Afterlife. That's a little different. It's... um, I don't want to say the best of, but there could be different topics within one episode, whereas this is just one person, one episode. There are commercial breaks in there and we do get to a different audience. So I'm always looking for a way to share. Uh, Also, if you've enjoyed this conversation and it's made a difference, uh, why not press the share button on social media? I tell you, you have no idea, even though people have smiles on their faces and they post all the good stuff. 
people are going through some silent hell inside. You know, we've all experienced grief in different ways. And there's some really lousy things happening in the world and within families. And it's tough. So if we can share any bit of upliftment, let's do it. Let's do it. So I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to make sure you go to thenextdoor.com or not the, the next door book. Is that what you said, Jane? The next room. The next room. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's I okay. get excited and I get a little tongue tied. No, it's okay. Room. And also just in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. Always so happy to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I believe that life is an education for the soul and that our lives here on earth are important, but we have this team supporting us. We really, really do. And if you want to start your day like Jane does with the thank you song, I think that's great advice. I am really left with the power of asking. Boy, I tell you what, we human beings, or at least I know this human being goes through life doing it all alone. And just a simple request. I mean, you've got, you may have somebody around you that was really good at something and they could just put some ideas in your mind or thoughts. And then also love the unlovable. And that just means love everybody. You know, I really love Jane that you spoke about the mom, your mom and the dimes just to make you smile folks. It doesn't have to be heavy duty things, you know, big bolts of lightning messages just to make you smile. We are all souls having this human experience. What you think is your imagination may not be. And that's how our loved ones communicate. So slow it down, trust, ask, and love. So I want to thank you for listening or for viewing, and we'll see you soon.